the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from the Father in heaven and from his Son and from the Holy Spirit. God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace. My father would have devotions uh, every evening. They would last 20 to 30 minutes. Sunday evening was the only reprieve since we had been to church that morning. The devotion would be a scripture reading. It would be him speaking about some verse in the Bible. There would always be a hymn. My father's favorite hymn was the one who we just sang. That is why we sang it. My father's favorite hymn. Twelve times a year we would sing that hymn. And sometimes my dad would expound on that hymn. I'm glad you're safe in heaven, dad. On this Father's Day I want to talk about two men in the Bible. One named Ahab, one named Naboth. I want to talk about their fathers. I want to talk about the environment in which they grew up. The first, Ahab, the child was delivered, and the messenger ran to the fields of battle, to the Camelhide tent of the famous general Omri. He asked to see the general, and when they had interrogated the messenger to make sure he was not a spy sent to do harm to their great general, He was allowed into Omri's presence. He had a word to deliver. It was from back home. He said to the general, Your wife has delivered for you a male child. And according to your word, the child is named Ahab. The smiles linger for 15 to 20 minutes. And then the smiles disappear. There is a war to fight. And off they go to the war chariots. His wife bears that child alone. He is not often home. Several miles away, another child is delivered. Father and the mother and several other of the close-knit family, they are all gathered together. They will spend a week praising God for that which has been delivered to them, their first male child. The father names him Naboth. And during that week, nature will take care of the fields and the vineyards and the orchards. This young baby will inherit the farm. Smiles linger for months 
as a father leaves to tend the vineyards. And the first child, Ahab, he grows up to the sounds of war, prancing horses and shrill screams and clash of armor. And Ahab grows up to the sights of war, mangled bodies and much blood and carnage. And Ahab grows up to the tensions of war. His mother is always uneasy. He hears her often crying behind the curtains. He does his best to comfort her. But the tensions of war are exceedingly felt in that home. Whenever a messenger is seen coming from miles away, the mother tells the servants, take the boy away, take the boy away, doesn't know whether the news is he has won another battle or whether the news will be Amri, your husband, has died in battle. Ahab grows up in this environment where the stomach is always in knots and the words are whispered. And the second child, Naboth, he grows up to the sounds of peace. It is quiet in the early morn as father and son head to the fields. It is quiet in the irrigated fields as Naboth learns the vineyards and the trade. It is quiet in the evening hours the family gathers together. There are always three topics as the family gathers together. And the topics develop in this boy, Naboth, a substance that is stronger than blood. For every evening as they gather together, they talk about family. They talk about the fields. And above all else, they talk about their faith in Jehovah God who has given them that day and the blessings that have come. Naboth feels the calm. The fields and the family and the faith in God, they are life to Naboth. They are life to Naboth. Ahab's days pass quickly into teenage years. The calendar days fly off the wall. There is one loud and boisterous administration after another. One political regime after another. Most of them are short-lived. What do Ahab's eyes see when he's a teenager? He sees Elah, king of Israel, being killed by Zimri, his commander. He sees Zimri kill all the male family members in Basha, be they relative or friend. He sees his father come home late one night, dress himself in his war garments, head off to Zimri's capital. And he says to his wife as he leaves, I have been chosen king. We will destroy the traitor Zimri. At midnight, miles away, they see the flames 
reach up into the darkness of the night sky. And when uh, she sees the flames, she says to her son Ahab, Your father has won the victory. If he was not killed in the battle, he is king. If he was killed in the battle, you, Ahab, are king. Amri comes home safe. He is king. Neighbors, days pass slowly and simply into teenage years. The quiet calendar days give much time for faith in God, for family, and for fields. What do neighbors' eyes see on this Father's Day? What do neighbors' eyes see? Father's love for his wife, love returns. Parents' love for their children, and the love returned. Families' love for their land, and the love is returned. The harvests are always plentiful. And above all else, neighbors sees a family's love for God, and that love is returned. There are no battles for neighbors to fight. Save for insects, droughts, hail, and locusts. And when they come, the God who they breathe in as life itself, that God always provides. Let me take you to First Kings 16. One day, the neighbor of Nabus' father, Shamir was his name. He comes to Nabus, says, I don't want you to be surprised. I've just done something. And Nabus' father says, what have you done? And he said, I've sold a piece of the land to King Omri. And Nabus' father said, you cannot sell the land. It belongs to God. It's an inheritance given to our families by God. It's part of the promised land that he gave to the Israelites. You cannot sell the land. And Shamir said, already done. Within a month, Nabus' father sees walls going up on the hillside. And inside the walls, a city is being built. And inside the city, a palace. King Amri will be the new neighbor of Naboth and his family. Naboth's father comes home, says to his wife, Not in our lifetime will harm come, but I fear greatly for our son and the grandchildren. And then Nabus' father would pray that his faith was stronger than his fears. Omri dies. Nabus' father dies. Ahab is the new king. Nabus inherited his own special kingdom, the fields, the vineyards, and the orchards. The Bible says one thing of Ahab, spending five chapters on his life, 1 Kings 16 to 21. says one thing about him. says, Ahab did more to provoke the God of Israel to anger 
than did all the kings of Israel before him. Ahab did more to get God angry than any king before him. You see how he grew up. With Ahab, he did not act justly. With Ahab, he despised mercy. And with Ahab, there was no walking humbly with his God. I bring you now to 1 Kings 21. Ahab sends a messenger. Says, bring Naboth to my courts. Naboth knows this cannot be good. Ahab says to him, 1 Kings 21, I want your vineyard. It's right next to my palace. I want to build a vegetable garden there, the Bible says. Naboth, big, strong, powerful man, says to him, 1 Kings 21, verse 3, The Lord God forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. Ahab says, I'll give you a better vineyard, or I'll pay you what your vineyard is worth. You set the price. Naboth says, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. I cannot sell you the land. It was given to us by God. Part of the promised lands cannot sell you the property. False charges are brought against Naboth. Naboth is killed. The property belongs to Ahab. I want to say two things on a Father's Day about Naboth and about his father. I hearken back to baptisms. Whenever I do a baptism of an infant, there are three vows. One pertains to the fact that mom and dad and the sponsors will do everything within their power to raise up that child to have a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as the most important thing that child they hold in their arms will ever have. Second vow that they will apprehend the covenant promises of God and deliver them to the child. What that means is this. They will tell that child that God is real. And they will tell that child that every one of the 7,000 promises in the Bible belong to that child. There is a third vow they take. The third vow is this. On this day I dedicate my child to his heavenly father. I vow before God that I will set a Christian example in the words out of my mouth and the deeds done in the presence of that child. I will teach them the doctrines of the Christian religion as they grow in years. 
I will bring them regularly to the services of God's house. And I will provide for the further instruction in the Christian faith. There are many times as I speak those words that I feel in my heart that those vows mean more to my heart than they do to the parents' hearts. That is no reflection upon the parents. They are still young. They don't understand fully what life brings. And they don't understand how important those vows are to the little one they hold in their arms. Neighbor's father, nothing, 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 nothing ever happens without him bringing God into play. My father, nothing, 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 nothing ever happens without him bringing God into play. If I finish second in my class in high school, God has given you gifts. If I finish in the top 5% in college, God has given you gifts. If I finish fourth in the seminary out of 220, God has done this thing. If I get a single in a baseball game against Lake Wilson High School, God is good to you. If I go to Concordia College, that's where God wants you to be. If I go to Fort Wayne Seminary instead of St. Louis, God wants you at Fort Wayne. I could never go out on a date, I've told you this before, without him saying, remember God is looking over your shoulder. (laughs) Neighbor's father... God, out of his mouth, continually. When the harvest was good, it was God. When the locusts came, the family would kneel down, Father leading the prayers. God, protect us from the swarms. And if our harvest is devoured, we trust, God, that the plentiful harvest of years past will suffice until the new harvest comes. I wish that all were raised in the environment I was. It had something to do with my father being a minister, I am sure. But in the environment I grew up in, there was never, never, never a day that his name was not invoked continually. You want something for your refrigerator? This is it. Are you ready? I haven't done it in a long time. Do you see how everything changes when you see God in everything? Do you see how everything changes when you see God in everything? That needs to be on the fridge. The second and final point I would make about Naboth. He was a man of principle. He was a man of principle and honor. 
It is said at times by the critics of Christians, everyone has their price. Everyone has their price. If there's enough money on the table, you'll compromise your principles. If you head off to high school and peer pressure is strong enough, you'll compromise your principles. If you're in your 20s or 30s and you're with a group of young men or younger women, you'll let down the Christianity a little bit. You'll compromise a little bit your principles to be part of the group. The critics of Christians say they are hypocrites. No, we're just sinners. And when we fall, we ask for God's forgiveness. And we try again and again and again. If Jesus said to his disciples, you forgive a thousand times, a thousand times, that's what our Father in heaven does for us. But by God's grace, you must stand on principles and on honor. Naboth, at the risk of his life, said to the king, no. And when he died, I am sure that he had the consolation of the one who walked with him even in the valley of the shadow of death. Thomas Beckett is put to death 1600s because he will not agree to the divorce of King Henry VIII. His wife comes to him in prison and says to him, Give the king uh, the divorce and know in your heart that it's wrong. And Thomas said, I cannot sin against my heart by doing such a thing. God will be with you and the children. I must do what God asks me to do. Naboth was the same. Maybe Thomas Becket thought of Naboth when he was in that prison. Naboth was the same. I dare say his wife said to him, For Pete's sake, husband, give him the vineyard. And he said, I cannot give him the vineyard, belongs to God. God will be with you and the children. There was one last one, was there not? He went to the cross. And Satan whispers in his ear, there's some other way. And he says, Father, if there's some other way, let it happen some other way. Not my will, but thine be done. And when Jesus dies, unlike Thomas Beckett and Naboth, when Jesus dies on that cross, it is the defeat of sin, death, and the power of the devil. It is our salvation when he dies and rises again. Fathers, enjoy the blessing God has given you. There is nothing to match that blessing. And pray daily that the vows you took when the child was baptized, pray daily that the Holy Spirit gives you the grace, the wisdom, the strength, the power, the love 
to do that which you vowed. Not because of the vow, people, but because you know this relationship with Jesus Christ is the most powerful blessing your son or your daughter shall ever have on this earth. Abundant life, everlasting life, in our Savior's name. Amen. Would you rise as we pray? Heavenly Father, Naboth confessed his belief in God before Ahab and before a whole nation given over to idolatry. We have the same opportunity daily to confess our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ before a world given over to things contrary to God and his commands. And the most important confession concerning Christ is done not to those on the commuter train as important as they are or at work or in the neighborhood, but the most important confession is that given to our family on a daily basis in thought, word, and deed, living our lives in that house for the kingdom of God and for the blessing of everyone in that household. May it be so in our Savior's name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.